0: Hey, everybody, it is Thursday, January 5th, 2023. I was saying that, Jill, to remind myself of this new year. <laughs> I keep I keep writing 2022. It is Thursday, January 5th, 2023. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shuanunu.
1: And I am Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts.
0: And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Uh, Jill, I want everyone to be aware that according to Larry David, on a uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm episode that officially it is now too late to wish people Happy New Year.
1: That's so funny, Mosh, because I've actually been text messaging with a few people and I'm like, do I have to start these texts with Happy New Year? And, and I've gotten a few text messages that have started with Happy New Year. And it's like, I guess, I, I don't know, I guess the, the first week feels like it's appropriate.
0: Right, right. I, I feel like the first week is appropriate, uh, but people were learning me to the episode where he, you know, according Larry in the show says you only have three days until January 3rd. <laughs> and then after that, you enough with the happy new year. I'm done wishing people a happy new year. Uh, and so that's where we find ourselves on this January 5th. We are deep into this year already.
1: We are. And yet, Mosh still no speaker of the house. So let's get to some of the headlines here. Maybe Kevin McCarthy shouldn't have moved into the Speaker's office just yet. He has now lost multiple votes to become the next Speaker of the House. We'll take a look at where things stand. The immigration crisis takes aim at the Florida Keys with an influx of Cuban migrants. For all the talk of a recession, there are still more job openings in the United States than people who are looking for jobs. So we'll break down some of the numbers A preview of CES 2023 and some of the coolest gadgets on display, like a lightweight flat screen TV that easily sticks to a wall. No wires needed.
0: Sounds convenient.
1: Yes. Uh, Say cheese. Why full fat cheese is a lot healthier than you think. Yes. Plus, one high-end gym chain wouldn't take any new members on January 1st. Is this genius marketing or a gimmick gone wrong? And most, you've got tons of musical history for on this day.
0: Yes, and including some history from your favorite, Bruce Springsteen.
1: Okay, let's do it. Two days in and still no speaker. House Republicans struggled for a second day of multiple balloting Wednesday, unable to elect their leader, Kevin McCarthy, as House Speaker. There does not appear to be a new strategy as we tape this on Wednesday night on how to end this political chaos that has marked the start of their new majority. For a fourth, fifth, and sixth time, Republicans tried to vote McCarthy into the top job and failed and failed and failed again. The votes were producing almost the same outcome, 20 conservative holdouts, still refusing to support him and leaving him just short of the 218 that are typically needed to win the gavel. But McCarthy actually saw his tally slip to 201 as a fellow Republican who had been supporting him switched her vote to simply present. So clearly that wasn't the way that he was hoping that this would go. Backroom negotiations took place last night as McCarthy and his allies tried to find a way to win over the minority that's blocking him from this top spot. The right flank conservatives led by the Freedom Caucus and aligned with Trump appeared emboldened by the standoff, even though Trump publicly backed McCarthy. Many of them have personal issues with McCarthy. They don't trust him on certain things. Some of them, frankly, just don't like him. And it's less about who they want. Instead, it's more about it just not being McCarthy, who has led their caucus for about four years. So these are the numbers. He continues to have support from about 90% of Republicans, just over 200. But again, he needs to hit that magic number, 218, in order to win the speakership. And those 20 Republicans, about 10% of his caucus, do not appear to be budging at all.
0: Yeah, so it's a game of chicken here, Jill. Uh, Kevin McCarthy thinks he will wear out these 20 Republicans. These 20 Republicans embolden say, no, no, we will wear you out. Um, and that's the frustration among many of the Republicans. Like, how can we let these 20 or so... Um, members get their way over the vast majority but you know that's the way that the rules are structured right now and a reminder that no other work can be done until the speaker is chosen so that literally means swearing in new members there's uh, 70 plus of them who are still congressmen elect congressmen and congresswomen elect uh, because you need to wait for the speaker to be chosen the speaker then gives the oath of office committees haven't been formed Uh, They can't begin legislation. They can't get security clearances. They can't begin investigating the Biden administration. Many of the things these Republicans were staking the majority on until, again, the speaker is elected. So to put this in historic terms, we haven't seen this type of situation in 100 years. Since 1923, it actually took nine votes that go around. So if we go into Thursday and McCarthy or somebody else doesn't win by the ninth vote, you then have to go back to the 1850s, 170 years ago. For, to see a fight similar to this but by the way that fight jill 133 votes over two months so let's hope for everyone's sake it doesn't take that long this time around but let's back up how are we here what is going on so these 20 holdouts these are republicans uh who are part of this right flank and this has been an issue for the party now going back a decade they were once called the tea party you might remember that they are now called the freedom caucus it is actually why speaker john Boehner retired. It's why Paul Ryan, Speaker Paul Ryan, another Republican, left. They were done being held hostage by this minority of their party. Uh, Boehner at one point dubbed them the chaos caucus, uh, feeling that their job is more about burning things down, metaphorically speaking, instead of getting anything done for them. It's about their personalities. It's about uh, various issues they care about. And it's about no compromise uh, on any issues Uh, regardless of how many issues they might actually agree on besides the one that they're fighting. The larger fear here, Jill, is that this is a preview of things to come, that eventually when Republicans, and they will, find a speaker that... This shows how much power this small group has. And there are big issues coming up here. The government will have to stay funded. They'll have to increase the debt ceiling to ensure that America can make good on its debts. Uh, Remember, there was a huge fight with the Republican caucus 11 years ago. It actually led to the credit rating of the country being lowered. So you need a speaker that can control this caucus. uh, And this is not a great uh, sign of things to come on day two uh, of this new Congress.
1: Yeah, John Boehner actually discussed this group once with Vanity Fair. He said, they can't tell you what they're for. They can tell you everything they're against. They're anarchists. They want total chaos. Tear it all down and start over. That is where their mindset is. On Wednesday, that group repeatedly nominated Congressman Byron Donalds. He is a black Republican from Florida. They were hoping that he would get increased support, but it still remained at those 20 Republicans, similar to what their prior alternate choice uh, to McCarthy, Jim Jordan, got the previous day. We should note, though, that this was the first time in history that two black candidates had been nominated for House Speaker uh, because, of course, on the Democratic side, Hakeem Jeffries is their pick. Uh, so the question now is how long McCarthy can hold out, what avenues he even has. There's been a lot of talk of turning to Representative Steve Scalise from Louisiana. He is the Republicans' second in line, and he's viewed as the leading alternative to McCarthy. Did you happen to see, though, um, Mosh, any of the interviews with Byron Donalds uh, after, I think it was after maybe the fourth vote or the fifth vote, he spoke to the media he was basically downplaying the chaos and he was like, look, it's only been 48 hours. Chill. Um, you know, he's like, my kids are at school. Everybody's lives, you know, are moving forward. You guys in the media are just kind of obsessed with this. And he happened to vote for himself. And they asked him, they're like, you know, do you want the job? And he's like, well, listen, I mean, who wouldn't vote for themselves, right? <laughs> He's <laughs> right, like, can right. you blame me? <laughs>
0: right, some people wanted to nominate him and they, you know, he was like, let me see how this goes. Uh, unfortunately for him, uh, you know, he only ended up getting that support from that, from that small constituency. You know, some, some members uh, are having fun with this, specifically the Democrats are enjoying this more. Uh, notice there's a congressman from uh, the Chicago area, uh, Jesus Garcia, who uh, tweeted a photo uh, of Kevin McAllister Uh, Macaulay Culkin's character from Home Alone, uh, the caption being the only Kevin that can defend a house, uh, with a picture (laughs) of him from Home Alone. Um, you mentioned Steve Scalise, he is McCarthy's number two. He might be too close to McCarthy for this group. It is unclear, um, what you know, when and if McCarthy will give up here. He does not want to set a precedent again of letting this small group call the shots. Uh, at the same time, He understands that it's country over party, it's party over himself, and at some point he has to give up. But this has been his dream for a while, right? He had to drop out of the race back in 2015. He's trying again to be speaker, fulfill his uh, lifelong dream here. Uh, And so he's not going to get pushed out of this unless he really feels this ain't happening for him. So ultimately here, uh, it'll be interesting to see who they come up with as a consensus candidate, or if McCarthy can pull them, but it seems like the two sides are so dug in here. There has actually been talk now, Jill, of bringing in a uh, former member of Congress. Uh, Fred Upton who's a former Republican congressman from Michigan as Speaker. Uh, interesting rule. You don't actually have to be a current member of Congress to be Speaker of the House. Jill, I actually had a few people on Instagram asking whether Paul Rudd could be the Speaker of the House. Some people mentioned Dolly <laughs> Parton. And I'm like, well, I, technically... Dolly Parton would be good. <laughs> technically, uh, either of them could be Speaker of the House, according to the rules. Uh, it was notable, Jill, uh, and the pictures are uh, really interesting to watch in this day and age. Same day, yesterday, in Kentucky, you had President Biden and Mitch McConnell together at an event praising one another, uh, showing that Republicans and Democrats can work together. So... Amid all this chaos on the House side, uh, you had this uh, trip to Kentucky. Uh, they were touting the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill last year that McConnell and 18 other Republicans in the Senate voted for. Uh, they did it outside a bridge that is in dire need of repair uh, that connects uh, Ohio and Kentucky. So, it, you know, back in the day, this wouldn't have been that remarkable. But in 2023, this is remarkable. Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden praising one another at an event, uh, talking about how Uh, you can actually work across the aisle. So that also took place. So we should mention that as we watch all of what was happening in the House.
1: And Moshe, if you're like me and you were wondering who was that crying baby on the House floor yesterday, (laughs) Uh, who I kept thinking was my son crying during his nap. It was actually the four-month-old son of Congressman Jimmy Gomez, a Democrat from California His name is Hodge. He came with the rest of his family to watch his dad get sworn in. At one point, though, Gomez wore him in a baby carrier, uh, which made a lot of news. And I thought it was pretty cool, especially for this kid, for Hodge. Later in life, he's going to be able to say, this is me, right? Like that's going to be a very (laughs) cool claim to fame for him at some point in his life.
0: There were a lot of high hopes uh, yesterday that this might be like normal uh, beginnings of Congress, where you bring your kids. Uh, things move along in a, uh, fast, uh, way, but here, uh, we sit here as we head into a third day with no speaker of the house. Uh, I imagine people will not be bringing their children onto the house floor anytime soon until they know they can get to some sort of resolution.
1: Okay, now let's turn to the immigration crisis. This time, though, the focus is on an influx of Cuban asylum seekers who arrived at a national park off the Florida Keys by boat. The national park is called Dry Tortugas. It's about 70 miles west of Key West, and it's only accessible by boat or plane. It's been closed since Monday, with hundreds of migrants camped out there, according to a National Park Service press release. So law enforcement and medical personnel have had to evaluate, provide care for, and coordinate transport to Key West for approximately 500 migrants who arrived in the park over just the past couple of days. Now, this latest influx is on top of already elevated numbers of migrants. In October and November, there were about 14,000 Cuban migrant encounters in the state. Compare that to about 35,000 for the whole year up to that point. Why are Cubans leaving their country en masse? Well, you could blame the economy. There is a severe economic downturn on the island, even by Cuban standards. That uh, country has been impoverished for decades. The pandemic crippled the tourism industry, and the Cuban economy is still struggling under a U.S. embargo that dates back nearly 60 years to the rise of the communist regime of Fidel Castro.
0: Yeah, and it's not just by boat. Cubans are also reaching the U.S.-Mexico border uh, in the tens of thousands uh, crossing land. In November, actually, U.S. Customs and Border Protection had uh, nearly 36,000 encounters with Cuban nationals uh, at the border of Mexico. That's higher than any other month uh, in fiscal year 2022. More than 200,000 Cubans arrived in the U.S. in 2022. It's some of the largest numbers we've seen since 1959 when Castro, the first Castro, first took power uh, and one that has no end in sight. Uh, There was a feeling that there might be hope after Fidel passed away and then his brother Raul um, left power. But there has been no real change on the island. And so like many other Central American, South American countries, you're seeing an influx of migrants uh, coming to the U.S., like other southern states officials in florida are blaming the federal government uh one local sheriff in florida saying this shows a lack of a working plan by the federal government to deal with the mass migration issue that was foreseeable jill this all comes as the supreme court uh, ruled just before christmas some people might have missed this uh they ruled uh to keep title 42 in place uh for now that's the policy which has allowed the u.s government to expel migrants who might otherwise qualify for asylum but be able to expel them for pandemic health concerns. Uh, The Supreme Court ruled that that policy has to remain in place for now. It was set to expire at the end of December because of course the public health crisis due to the pandemic is over, but Republicans sued uh, to keep it going. Uh, They felt it was actually a pretty useful bandaid. The White House, the CDC, the the feds have opposed it. Uh, It went up to the Supreme Court. Privately, if you do ask some White House officials, they don't mind the policy uh, until they figure out a larger immigration policy. But officially, they have been opposed to this. The Supreme Court ruled that it should remain in effect Uh, It's actually allowed the federal government to expel more than two and a half million migrants and refugees over the past two years. And it will be in effect at least until February. That's when the Supreme Court will be hearing arguments in the Title 42 case. Uh, So there's a stay for now, uh, which means that the feds have about another six or seven weeks to figure out a policy should Title 42 finally be uh, stricken? So we're going to watch that over the next seven weeks. But you're, uh, as you noted, this issue down in Florida with the Cubans, uh, the Cuban migrants, as well as the issues we've seen on the Mexico border continue to escalate. Uh, and there continues, especially as we just discussed in the last story, Congress can't even elect a speaker right now. I wouldn't be bullish that the uh, Congress can come up with some sort of immigration reform or policy in the next six weeks uh, to, to cope with it.
1: It is interesting, though, because former President Obama had loosened some of the restrictions around Cuba about six years ago. Um, and then Trump basically reversed all of that. I was actually in Cuba shortly before Obama visited, and there was so much excitement there. Um, so it's just incredible how in five, six short years, how the situation has devolved uh, so, so much.
0: Yeah, they, there are a lot of hopes there that that would open up things, open up the economy. Remember, then Trump took over, uh, put some of those restrictions back in place. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the government there continues to be uh, to run the island very incompetently. There was uh, protests uh, that lit up in the last couple of years. The uh, government clamped down, you know, you're talking about an authoritarian regime in Cuba and they just haven't been able to get that economy going. And then, of course, COVID hit, and they still are at less than half of the tourists they used to be seeing pre-COVID, and that has really uh, hurt the economy on the island. All right, as we head into warmer weather across much of the U.S. in the coming months, one way to stay cool and continue to get a good night's sleep is by checking out Bull & Branch Bedding & Sheets. They're a brand that we love here at Mo News. We only endorse products that we love and we've been using Bolin branch for more than two years now in our home the sheets have been great soft breathable fabric that works for both cold and warm weather we noticed the quality immediately and have gotten a few different sets in our house i know jill has as well they're made with 100 organic cotton completely free from toxins i know that is very important to a number of you and it's not just sheets they have blankets duvets pillows, a whole variety of products to ensure you get a good night's sleep. And right now, they have a great deal for the Mo News community. Go check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Again, they get softer with every wash. So the deal right now is 15% off your order when you use the promo code MoNews over at BullAndBranch.com. That is BullAndBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code MoNews for 15% off. Exclusions do apply. See site for details.
1: Time now for the Speed Read, a quick update from the Buffalo Bills on Damar Hamlin, who went into cardiac arrest during Monday night's game. The Bills wrote on Twitter that he remains in the ICU in critical condition with signs of improvement noted yesterday and overnight. He is expected to remain under intensive care as his health team continues to monitor and treat him.
0: Jill, on Wednesday, President Biden spoke with the parents of Hamlin. Uh, he said that he spoke with his mother and father at length. Uh, This was during his visit to Kentucky by an expressed concern over some of the violence of the NFL, but also said there's not much that can be done about it. You know, that is the nature of the sport. It does come as the NFL's chief medical officer, his name is Dr. Alan Sills, uh, told CNN that they are investigating every possible cause behind the cardiac arrest. One thing uh, the doctor said it might have been is what we've talked about is what's called comodio cordis, which happens when severe trauma to the chest disrupts the heart's electrical charge. It's a very rare thing, but does cause uh, several deaths in sports every year. Dr. Sill said it is a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning it might be the diagnosis if doctors don't find any other causes. They might say, well, it, it must have been this if we can't find another reason. Doctors will be looking for any potential congenital or other abnormalities in his heart. Every player, it turns out, in the NFL gets a physical before each season, and doctors take a detailed medical history, which includes American Heart Association screening guidelines related to potential cardiac issues. But remember here, Hamlin is 24, so he might not have the heart checkup or heart details that somebody in their 50s or 60s might have. I mean, I know this as uh, someone who's 40. They just started a couple years ago during my annual physicals, doing an electrocardiogram, etc. So at 24, you know, you typically assume, you know, these are professional athletes, they're pretty healthy. But nonetheless, the NFL will be looking into this, the doctors will be looking into what took place here. And the league will be looking at whether the protective equipment that they currently have players use uh, are sufficient.
1: Some economic news that we're watching this from The Wall Street Journal. Job openings held nearly steady at historically high levels in November, adding to evidence that the labor market remains strong heading into 2023, despite rising interest rates and concerns about an economic slowdown. About 10.5 million jobs were available in November essentially unchanged from October and well above pre-pandemic openings levels, this according to the Labor Department. The report also showed layoffs stayed low and a large share of workers quit their jobs in November, actually more quit in November than a month earlier, which is a sign that Americans are still confident in their employment prospects.
0: Yeah, it's pretty remarkable here, Jill, as we continue to have all this recession talk literally in November, there were 4 million more jobs available than unemployed people looking for work. So you nearly have a situation where you have double the job openings of people seeking jobs. So that sounds like good news, right? You know, but what we've been telling you is, and, and roll with me here. So it sounds like good news, but with job openings remaining steady, that is a sign for the Fed that it might need to increase interest rates again at a significant level, because this is how it works. More job openings mean employers have to offer higher wages to get you to work for them, right? Those higher wages mean that now you're employed and you have more money to spend. More money uh, to spend means demand stays high. You're spending that money on things. So stores then increase prices. So that then leads to continued inflation. So high wages uh, means more money in your pocket. More money in your pocket means you're spending more. You're spending more means stores can increase prices. Hence, inflation, which means the Fed has to continue increasing interest rates to cool down business, dry up the money supply. So unfortunately, that's me turning good news into bad news. But that's how the Fed is looking at this. Jill, I think we need to keep that sound effect going, but that is the most turning a positive economic headline into a negative one. But I just want people to be aware of it because that's the way the Fed is looking at things. One other economic story, job-related story that we're watching officially now that we're in 2023, minimum wage increases uh, took place in 23 states and D.C. this week. Uh, 13 states tie their minimum wage rate to the Consumer Price Index, and other states had increases set by ballot initiatives or legislation. So while the federal uh, minimum wage remains stuck at seven twenty-five, a growing number of states now have minimum wages of $15 an hour or more. So that's one other thing as we're, as we're talking about the job market.
1: Also on the jobs front, we do want to mention Salesforce announced that it would be laying off 10% of its workforce as many of its customers are taking a more cautious approach to spending. And tomorrow we'll be getting another read on the job market when the Labor Department releases their numbers for December.
0: Yeah, Jill, and the Wall Street Journal also reports that Amazon, uh, those layoffs we told you about late in 2022 that we thought would impact 10,000 Amazon employees will actually impact 17,000 Amazon employees. Uh, They're concentrated in the company's corporate ranks. Keep in mind, Amazon employs more than a million and a half people. But those 17,000 layoffs now, according to the journal, represent the highest number of people let go by a tech company in just the past few months, as we've been telling you about all those layoffs at a bunch of the big tech companies.
1: From the engineering magazine IEEE Spectrum, a preview of this year's Consumer Electronics Show or CES 2023, the big annual show where tech and electronics companies roll out their newest products. It kicks off today in Vegas. It runs through Sunday. About 100,000 people are expected to attend. So they are expecting to see AI in places both useful and silly, attempts to make a killer app for the metaverse, and TVs with new features that manufacturers hope will get consumers to trade up from their existing models As always, the highlights of CES, though, uh, according to this magazine, are some of the gadgets that you didn't know you needed, but are clever, well-designed, and solve real-world problems. So here are some of the gadgets that the magazine is most excited to check out. A stick-on-the-wall wireless TV from Displace. So it's lightweight. It's fully wireless. It's a 55-inch TV that sticks on the wall using built-in vacuum mounts. And as they write, uh, who hasn't wished that they could install their flat screen without worrying about cables, mounts, or electrical outlets?
0: So the big question at the CES every year really is, you know, will it be more than gimmicks? Like, will anything come out of the show that turns out to be something particularly useful? So the stick on TV could be interesting. Uh, there are a couple of things that I think are really remarkable um, in the health front, in the health tech front, that I think could be interesting. Uh, one thing, sign of the times, a reusable breath test for COVID RSV and the flu this comes to us from a company called Optive Technologies apparently the device will be reusable it will use cartridges that only need to be changed after a positive test or a couple of weeks of daily use and it'll give you results within 60 seconds so that could be interesting also on the health front uh, they're promoting uh, the rollout and we'll have to see what this looks like a phone dongle that takes the itch out of insect bites Uh, And apparently it plugs into the smartphone's charging port and it zaps away an itch or a sting from an insect bite. Uh, There's a toilet sensor that monitors hydration and vitamin levels. I won't go into details there. There's an aromatherapy shower system. And then there's some interesting stuff related to a device that fixes speech disorders in real time. A company called Wisp says its mobile app converts whispered speech or anyone with vocal cord impaired speech or severe stutters uh, into a person's natural voice in real time which will be fascinating uh, to see. There's also some wearable devices, a dehydration alarm, uh, which is part of an electronic wearable that senses sweat, uh, electrolyte loss, skin temperature, um, and will set off an alarm if you're too dehydrated. So there's some really fascinating kind of tech meets health stuff that uh, I will be really interested in seeing roll out this week.
1: On that front, there are going to be two companies trying to demonstrate quote-unquote Useful selfies. So this would mean there's technology that would check vital signs using a cell phone camera. So things like your heart rate, breathing rate, stress level, and heart rate variability. I will say some of this is like ignorance is bliss. I don't know if I even want to know, right? Like I don't need to take a selfie and have it come back and be like, go to sleep. You're too tired. I, I know it's the same way. I almost, I never want to do the Apple watch to see how I'm sleeping because it's like, I know how I'm sleeping. Not well, leave me alone. <laughs>
0: leave me alone apple it's funny it's like this useful selfie this tech will tell you your stress level based on a selfie i think based on uh taking a normal selfie of myself uh or looking at myself in the mirror i know (laughs) what my stress (laughs) level
1: is (laughs) it's like put your phone down stop watching the news you appear stressed go to bed (laughs) you're in the red for stress
0: you're like no no shit
1: But we do have some good news, Mosh, from the Washington Post. Good news about cheese. It is much healthier than you thought. Research shows that even full fat cheese won't necessarily make you gain weight or give you a heart attack. It seems that cheese. Jill, Jill, this is an
0: amazing story. (laughs) We we give people so much negative news. I love this story.
1: (laughs) Yes, it seems that cheese does not raise or reduce your risk for chronic diseases like heart disease and type 2 diabetes. And some studies even show that it might be protective. So it's easy to see, according to the Washington Post, why people might feel conflicted about cheese. For years, the U.S. dietary guidelines have said that eating low-fat dairy is best because whole milk products, like full-fat cheese, have saturated fat, which can raise LDL, or those bad cholesterol levels, which is a known risk for heart disease. Cheese has also been blamed for weight gain and digestive issues, such as bloating, However, it turns out that cheese may have been misunderstood. Getting a bad rap, Moshe.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's all about balance, though. We're probably not advocating that all of you, by the way, we should note neither Jill or I are doctors, but we did see this headline in the Washington Post and got uh, really excited over it. Jill, it turns out the average American eats 40 pounds of cheese a year or about one and a half ounces a day. Uh, The old school thinking uh, on nutrition has been focused on individual nutrients like fats, or protein that either promote or prevent disease. But nutrition experts now are putting more emphasis on the entire food, how its structure, nutrients, enzymes, and other components interact with one another. Actually, I want to bring on a medical expert, a nutritionist to like talk about this. But apparently when milk is transformed into cheese, the process changes the way the nutrients and other components in it are chemically arranged. Uh, This has an effect on how it's digested how it's processed by the body, which can lead to health effects that are different from the effects of eating the same nutrients in another form, like like butter, um, another dairy product. So when cheese is made, it gains some beneficial compounds. Uh, Vitamin K can form during the fermentation process. Uh, I was reading about this clinical trial that happened back in 2018, where they had people eat an equal amount of uh, butter or cheese and then switched partway through the study, they actually found that the saturated fat in cheese did not raise LDL cholesterol in the same way that butter did. So bad news for butter, good news for cheese there. Cheese apparently also seems to reduce the risk of weight gain and chronic diseases in some cases. I know we're definitely going to get notes, Jill, from people who are like, you completely misunderstood this, but uh, this is a Washington Post story that basically says cheese is misunderstood and we probably... You probably need to balance it out. Like you shouldn't just be eating an entire cheese pizza by yourself. But like many Speak things like- for I, yourself, most <laughs> <laughs> <But, laughs> Like Jill, I learned recently that, you know, like I remember growing up hearing about how bad the egg yolk was for you. I feel like that was like a big thing in the 90s. Only to learn more recently that like the egg yolk does have like some good cholesterol for you. So I feel like we continue to learn more and more about food. And I'm sure we're going to get a study this year that cheese is really bad for you. It's like those wine studies, like wine's good for you, wine's bad for you. And I'm going to choose to just believe in these studies about cheese and not (laughs) the next day that comes out about cheese.
1: I only believe in the the red wine is good for you. Dark chocolate is good for you. um, And cheese is good for you. I'm on board with that.
0: Okay, I imagine most of you are on Team Jill there.
1: Okay, well, kind of along these lines, this is from the New York Post. Equinox's bizarre, we don't speak January campaign Causes outrage online. Okay, the luxury fitness club Equinox is coming under a lot of criticism online after they launched a day long campaign labeled We Don't Speak January, basically forbidding new members from joining on January 1st. Many people looking to ring in the new year by getting into shape. But if you went to Equinox's website to sign up for the luxurious gym, you were greeted by an unusual message. Quote, you are not a New Year's resolution. Your life doesn't start at the beginning of the year, and that is not what being part of Equinox is about, the message told hopeful new members. The message ended by assuring people who wanted to sign up that the fitness club was looking forward to welcoming you to our Equinox community tomorrow.
0: So, yes, yeah, so this is just a one-day thing on January 1. Uh, you, you apparently, if you're interested uh, in signing up for Equinox now, you can. But they decided to go with this sort of bizarre marketing stunt. <laughs> Uh, and it's being greeted by a lot of backlash online. And, and keep in mind, by the way, Equinox, like typically, their memberships are between like two hundred to four hundred bucks a month. So these are like very luxe. You can you you can kind of envision the meeting here, Jill, where like you know a bunch of marketing gurus were like, you know, what would be really cool is if we don't <laughs> let people sign up to work out, you know, like and mm-hmm. and I can see where conceptually some people were like in a on a Zoom. Let's call make being, them work like, for it yeah, let's make them work for, like, we're not going to be so cliche as to make you sign up on January 1st, but January 2nd, totally. So there's a whole bunch of reactions online. Uh, One user commented on the company's tweet, didn't realize a health club would be so vehemently against people trying to checks notes, improve their health and well-being. Though there were some people who were supportive, it's unclear, again, this is a kind of generic users online. So I don't know if this person was part of the marketing team, but they, they reacted to the tweet saying, Equinox isn't accepting new memberships today. Super bold, super smart, strategically aligned with their brand. But I think the mix, if you look at the mix of reactions, was mainly negative.
1: I don't know. I feel like any gym that's costing you that much money, it's like if somebody wants to join, let them join. I, I don't really get it. <laughs> we
0: will not let you join this day because we are not going to be cliche. You know, it's, it stands in contrast, Jill, Planet Fitness like sponsors part of the bowl drop in Times Square on New Year's Eve because they know this is like the big time for New Year's resolutions. Like people want to get healthy, get fit. So, you know, but again, we're not talking about Planet Fitness, we're talking about Equinox in this case, and it got certainly people talking. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if there's any long term impact whatsoever for them. All right, Jill, as always, uh, we will end with On This Day in History. Uh, have a couple factoids for you, including uh, one about your favorite, Bruce Springsteen's, and some other musical history. So... First things first, 50 years ago today, on January 5th, 1973, the FAA for the first time began requiring airlines to begin screening all passengers and carry on for weapons. So metal detectors got their start 50 years ago today in airports. This uh, this was as the you saw that first rise in terrorist attacks back then in the early 70s. Uh, also 50 years ago today, on January 5th, 1973, Bruce Springsteen put out his first album, Greetings from Asbury Park.
1: I was looking at some of the songs that were on this album. You know, he originally wrote Blinded by the Light, but his version never really took off. Um, Also on this is another great song that I love called Spirit in the Night. It's so good. Uh, I'm not going to sing it, though, because I don't think a lot of people know it. But I I absolutely adore Bruce Springsteen.
0: Whoa, Jill, I had no idea that Bruce Springsteen wrote Blinded by the Light. I always knew the Manfred Mann's Earth Band version of it. I didn't realize that... That was a remake of Bruce.
1: You know, and I love Bruce, but I understand why his version, it, it just, it didn't have, it doesn't have like the it factor for whatever reason. It just doesn't hit. Yeah. Um, but the, w- the lyrics are great.
0: It's sort of like, um, I just, we just watched the uh, new Whitney Houston film that's out in theaters and what Whitney did for Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You, right? Like there was the Dolly version. And it turns out that apparently Kevin Costner found the song for Whitney for uh, the film and then had Whitney re-record. you know, it was like, I think Whitney could do a great job with this. And uh, Clive Davis was part of that, et cetera. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of this in history where like a certain artist writes it, there's a version and then the, the ver- but the version that we know was a, a remake of sorts.
1: If anyone is actually interested in kind of the history of that song and Whitney Houston's version, the Rewatchables podcast, um, which is great if you're into old movies, they did one on the bodyguard and they went Mm -hmm. into the whole history of kind of exactly what you're talking about, about like how Kevin Costner found that song and how he said only Whitney could do it. And obviously, you know, it just the rest is history.
0: Yeah, and 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 I would I would suggest if you're interested in Whitney, as we're talking about Whitney Houston here, the uh, I want to dance with somebody film that's out right now, and I think it'll go to streaming at some point this year. It's actually a pretty good watch. Um, we we very much enjoyed it, and I learned a lot about um, her history. I mean, obviously, as tragic as it is, uh, from that film. Uh, two other quick notes here on this day in history. We gave this this day gave us some other great musical history. Abba released Take a Chance on Me 45 years ago today in 1978,
1: and. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i'm not doing <laughs> no, words no, i'm just humming. No, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and finally on this day 42 years ago today sugar hill gang's rappers delayed became the first hip-hop song in history to reach the Billboard Top 40 charts.
1: I said a hip hop, a hibby to the hibby to the hip hip hop, and you don't stop. Uh, my G- husband <laughs> claims that he knows every word to this Really? Song. We'll, yes. we'll have to
0: have him on, um, <laughs> on a separate podcast because it's a long song.
1: It is so good. And I feel it's like it so was good. part of the soundtrack of my youth anyway.
0: Oh, absolutely. And the Sugarhill Gang really, you know, helps set off the popularity of hip hop music in the 80s. You have the rise of MTV uh, right around then as well. So, uh, a lot of music history on this day. Jill, Bruce, ABBA, a Sugar Hill Gang. We got a little Whitney Houston. We, hopefully, all of you out there have gotten your fill of the day's news and a little bit of music on the side.
1: We've got range, Uh, Mosh, definite range. All right, we do want to thank everyone for listening to Demo News Daily Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And please review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow.
0: Those reviews really do make a difference. So we appreciate all of you who can take a moment uh, to give us those five-star reviews, can we say, um, (laughs) for this podcast. If, by the way, you have feedback for us, you can email us at podcast at mo.news. Again, podcast, singular, at mo.news. If you have suggestions, thoughts on what you want us to cover, anything you might want on this podcast, don't forget to follow us, of course, over on Instagram, where this all got started for 24-7 coverage over at the Mosh Instagram account at M-O-S-H-E-H. And with that, we will see you guys tomorrow is Friday. Get excited.
1: It's Friday, Friday. All right. Bye, everybody.